Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Friday, the 13th of May, 2022. Perfect day or a perfectly numbered day to do a show on Donald Trump. We haven't been doing anything for a while. So uh, I thought I would check out his website and uh, looking at him, we have him at his most serious and I guess trying to be as menacing as he could. And then as soon as I went to the website, a big pop-up appeared asking me to contribute. I'm not sure if that's criminal, but it suggests a degree of at least venality and probably criminality is that the first thing you go to a website of a politician is an attempt to get on the Trump donor wall. Um, we're going to be talking about money today and Trump, but above all else, we're talking about criminality. Fabulous new book out uh, by one of America's leading criminologists, and it's appropriately called Criminology on Trump. It's written by my guest today, uh, Greg Barak, uh, uh, the author of Criminology on Trump. Uh, Greg, congratulations on the book. Uh, you're talking to me from Ann Arbor. Before we went live, I asked you if you were in jail and you said no. So that's good news, too. Um, Criminology on Trump. I'm curious, actually. It's a fascinating title. What does that actually mean, Criminology on Trump? Are you suggesting that as a criminologist, you're you're evaluating Trump. Yes, I'm bringing the tools of, of criminology to uh, the the examination of Trump's uh, life uh, before, during, and after the presidency. Uh, criminology on Trump uh, differs from the thousands of other books on on Donald J. Trump because first and foremost, it's really an examination of the crimes of the powerful. Uh, in a few words, criminology on Trump is a case study in law, lawlessness, the administration of justice, and the impunity of the crimes of the powerful. Uh, even more specifically, um, it's a study of financial crime. It's a study of coat and tie criminals and crime control, most importantly, in the context of selective enforcement and differential application of the law. Ultimately, it's an investigation into a lifetime of fraud, corruption, and political crime as exhibited by Donald's history and that of his family, associates, fixers, and enablers. So uh, I have two responses to that, Greg. On the one hand, none of it surprises me. Uh, he's always appeared to me to be um, a, a, a criminal of one kind or another. And uh, his behavior is, is seems a little different from a mafia leader. But I, I'm not convinced that he's typical of a powerful figure. I mean, Bill Gates is richer, more powerful, at least financially. I'm not sure he's a, crimin a criminal. You know, um, Elon Musk is very much in the news. He's a rather odd character, but I'm not convinced he's a criminal. Are you suggesting that anyone powerful is as, as much of a criminal as Trump? No, no, I'm not suggesting that at all. I, I'm suggesting that, that our um, 
diagnosis, our investigation, our descriptions of the crimes of the powerful, and more importantly, our responses to the crimes of the powerful are very, very, very different than how we talk about or crimes of powerless or ordinary people and how we respond to those. So um, certainly you gave illustrations of people that who, who are far wealthier than, than Donald Duck, uh, Donald Trump, excuse that. Uh, Freudian slip. That was a Freudian one, Greg. Donald yes. Trump. <laughs> um, I'm not suggesting that he has nearly that type of financial wealth. He he clearly do, does does not. But um, he brings um, uh, financial wealth and he brings political wealth and, and power together, the likes of which... Um, you know, no criminals before him or no uh, powerful people um, uh, besides him have have been able to accomplish. Greg, uh, Greg the, uh, we did a show last week with the writer, um, the mostly fictional essayist and, and novelist, uh, uh, Jim Shepard, who, who, has, who has an interesting book out suggesting that Film in some way has corrupted American minds. It's over-dramatized them and made them very susceptible to a, a romantic vision of reality, which isn't true. I'm curious, you call um, Trump America's outlaw and racketeer-in-chief, which I don't think is inaccurate. Do you think that American culture generally, and particularly Hollywood, which seems to have romanticized outlaws and even racketeers. Has that contributed to the fact that many people still like Trump, millions of people voted for him, and he still hasn't gone to jail? Um, I, I would say yeah, yes to, to, to all of those things. I mean, um, culturally, um, we have a long love affair with with outlaws whether you're talking about james jesse james billy the kid um uh, uh, barney and clyde um or whether we're talking about the sopranos we're talking about um other you know famous uh, hollywood movies the godfather Yes, absolutely. All of those films who, who, um, who it seems like Trump in many ways seems to try to emulate. Um, he he does. He, he does. And, and this is not just because of, of, of the films themselves, but because uh, he, he understands and appreciates that, um, you know, from from lit literally a psychoanalytic uh, point of view, that um, people enjoy um, snubbing uh, the state, the power. They, they enjoy his lawlessness, his getting away um, with, with his, his activities. Um, they're, in a sense, rooting for him. There's the other half of the audience who's, who's not rooting for him. But what I'm trying to suggest is in, in psychoanalytic terms and in film terms, Donald's success should be understood as the politics of antagonism and enjoyment. And that's, you know, what people are, are, are getting off to. In other words, his appeal to the base of deplorables 
and his appeal to elite Republicans function, if you will, as a primordial fantasy of wholeness in which the world of MAGA exists free from the threats of globalists, feminists, Black Lives Matter activists, political wokeness, and so on. In a few words, Trump succeeds with the forever Trumpers because he's the agent of obscene, transgressive enjoyment. Whether he is vilifying immigrants, denigrating women, or trying to humiliate disloyal followers. So you would agree we had another guest talking about Trump recently, Larry Jacobs. Trump is more a, a symptom than a cause of today's American political, economic, cultural crisis. I don't know, maybe the country's always been in crisis. That word gets overused. You, like Lawrence Jacobs, treat Trump as a symptom of the peculiar nature of America, this love affair with outlaws, this love affair with snubbing authority. Right, right. I mean, Donald's a symptom of that. Um, uh, Clearly, he's not a cause of that. He's a production of of that um, contradiction, if you will. Um, And uh, when he's gone, the legacy of Trump or Trumpism will be there. Um, But, um, you know, just when he's gone, it won't resolve the, the so, so Larry, except, not Larry, uh, Greg, explain this. Uh, we did a show, done a number of shows about what we might think of as the, 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 the military jail or the industrial jail complex in America. There are more jails in America than anywhere else in the world. Of course, it's highly racist and racial system. We did one with Michael J. Michael L. Walker, a young man who went to jail now is a distinguished sociologist explaining what it was like. Um, Why is there on the one hand, and maybe this is an obvious question, why is there on the one hand in America this cult of the outlaw, this cult of criminality, I guess, in a way? And on the other hand, why are there so many jails in America? You would take it for granted if people like criminals, they wouldn't want to lock them up or if they just simply want to lock up African-Americans and poor people? Um, it, it's, it's basically what's threatening you know, private property. What's, what's, what's threatening um, individuals rather than, you know, their, their, their ultimate uh, well, well-being. I mean, if we look at, um, you know, costs of, of, of crime, we lock up, um, you know, a couple of million people. Um, who are responsible for maybe a trillion dollars worth of uh, of of, of uh, uh, harm to the society in in, in dollar sense, comparatively to white collar and corporate crime, we're looking at three trillion dollars. Okay, so I mean, you're talking about you know one quarter of the amount of harm. And you're locking up those people. Flip it around. You have about 700,000 people policing those who engage in ordinary street crime. You have about 1,000 people going after tax fraudsters. Uh, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting observation, um, Greg. And actually, 
chimes with a conversation I did last week with a British journalist, Rowan Hooper, a science journalist who has a book, What Would You Do With a Trillion Dollars to, to Make the World a Better Place? And I half-jokingly said, well, where are you going to get that trillion? And he said, well, that's simply what isn't paid in tax, let, let alone the the, the, uh, the, the the crimes of the rich and powerful who don't pay their tax. Um, so this that would is, be one these, place. Right. Sorry, these are serious ahead. numbers. And this is a serious issue. If that money was put into infrastructure or the environment or the refugee crisis, the world would be a significantly better place. A, 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 abs, absolutely, um, you know uh, this. This is true, and and and, and part of um, the theft, the looting by um, persons outside of the United States who are looking for places to launder uh, their their money, uh, they come to America. Uh, they come to the United States. Um, it's one thing for a bank to try and uh, launder money, you know, that's against the law. But as we know, we can set up um, shell companies, um, accountants, attorneys, investors here in the United States arrange for these to the tune of literally billions and billions of dollars that enter this country dirty and become clean. It, for example, in terms of, of Donald uh, being the benefactor of, of kleptocracy, he landed his first kleptocrat back in 1983, and that was baby uh, Duvalier from Haiti. He was the first person to um, take dirty money from the people of, of Haiti and to purchase uh, a condominium in Trump Tower. Flash forward 40 years and Donald has 1,500 or 20% of his total condominiums owned by, we don't know who, because they were purchased through a shell company. So right, much of the money, and we, we've done a number of shows on the laundering, particularly of Russian money either through Putin, through Trump or through associates of Trump. I, I'm, I'm curious, um, Greg, we did a show with Margaret O'Mara, um, who was contributing to a book about how historians will look back on Trump. I mean, obviously, you're biased in what you're interested in. But do you think ultimately in 50 or 100 years, Trump will be remembered as a criminal by future historians? Um, he will certainly be remembered by uh, criminologists as, 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 as a criminal. And I suspect he will also be um, thought of by most historians as a criminal. Uh, and if, you know, he's yet to be prosecuted one time for a single solitary crime, okay? He's been involved in in numerous uh, civil suits to the tune of about 4,000 of those, mostly as the plaintiff. But, but, but my point is um, he's been lawless in, in, in business and outside of business his, his entire life. Um, he, he inherited uh, an organization that was 
both lawful and lawless. Um, it's a criminal enterprise that that he inherited and that he's passed on to his children. By that, I mean he has been looting. Each generation has been taking from themselves and passing it on to the next generation as to avoid the, the asset wealth that one would have to pay and at the same time for the inheritors to avoid their taxes. So one way in which they've moved their money over the years has been totally illegitimate. It's just one scheme. The other scheme was how they were paying their employees um, with, you know, gifts, schooling. So many things. Yeah, it's it's really another. And I think your point, uh, Greg, that the astonishing thing is, as you say, he's been in civil court, he seems to spend most of his life in civil court, either suing other people or being sued himself. But he's never he's never been in criminal court. Uh, we are talking with Greg Barak, the author of Criminology on Trump, fascinating new book about Donald Trump as a criminal. Uh, we're going to take a short break now, uh, Greg. And afterwards, I want to talk more specifically about which crimes he's most likely to get prosecuted for, the political crimes obviously associated with January 6th and the other crimes that in particular are being investigated uh, in New York. So we'll be back with Greg Barak, the author of Criminology on Trump in about 60 seconds. Don't go away, anyone. Don't go to jail. We'll be back in 60 seconds. Hi, everyone. Andrew here again. I'm not sure if you're listening or watching or even reading about this Keenon show. I certainly hope you're enjoying it, but I wanted to remind you that there are many different ways you can use to enjoy my Keenon show. The first, of course, is by, in a very traditional way, subscribing to the audio-only podcast. You can do this um, using Apple or Spotify or CastBox, or many of the other traditional uh, podcast distribution platforms. We're on all of them. And if you want to access uh, all the podcasts together, you can go to my LitHub page um, in their podcast section, which is dedicated to all the interviews. Uh, if you're into watching this, as opposed to simply listening, um, if you follow me on Twitter at AJ Keen, you can watch these shows live uh, and you can do the same um, if we're connected uh, on LinkedIn. I'm not on Facebook. I'm not a great fan of Facebook, but LitHub is. And on their LitHub live page, you can watch these shows live as well. Um, in terms of uh, recorded videos, uh, not live. You can see all the shows on the LitHub YouTube page. So whatever your preference, whatever your taste, whether it's video or audio or text, there's no excuse for not watching or listening to my show. Now back to Keenan. We are back with Greg Barak, the author of Criminology on Trump. We talked in the first half of the show broadly about Trump as a criminal, the cultural, political, and economic foundation, uh, foundations of his 
criminality, both in a, in a broad American sense and in, in the context of his own family. I want to talk after, in this second half of the show, Greg, about the likelihood of him actually going to prison or at least finding himself in criminal court. There was um, a, a judge in March suggested that he did indeed likely commit crime trying to stay in power in association with January 6th, American slight majority, according to the Washington Post, say he should be charged with a crime on the Jan 6th um, uh, events. Is this the, the event that's most likely to result in Trump ending up in a criminal court, Greg? What happened around January 6th? If you would have asked me this question a year ago, I would have said, no, it wouldn't be the sedition, the insurrection, the treason, the, the obstruction of justice pertaining to the 2020 election. I would have thought that uh, it would have been the District of Manhattan would have gone after him. Um, as far as the Attorney General of New York, she's dealing civilly. That well, let's might... deal with the, the New York. Let's deal with the New York issue later. But let, let's focus specifically on Jan Six for the moment. How likely right, is he right. going to so, end up so, in criminal court? So now I think um, I, I think the Attorney General will eventually prosecute um, the co-conspirators and Trump uh, for the, for the insurrection. Uh, I did not think so, um, as I said, a year ago. Um, but it, I have, you know, con gone to the conclusion that um, people not only here, but worldwide are, are zeroing in. And if we're going to be defending, quote unquote, the world uh, from uh, autocrats and on behalf of Democrats, then we have to prove that we are a democratic nation. And I, I ultimately think prosecuting uh, the co-conspirators, the five, well, the four of the five people who were um, subpoenaed yesterday by the select committee uh, and others as well. Um, that, Is he likely to go to jail, though, do you think, over this? Um, will, will he go to jail? Um, yeah, I think he would. If he's convicted, I, I, I think he would go to jail, and I don't think he would be pardoned. Um, you, know, uh, it, you know, It's a long shot that they're going to prosecute, but I'm believing that they will. But you suggested uh, it wasn't. What do you mean by a long shot? 50-50? We've never had a history uh, where we have prosecuted a president for uh, a crime or where we've prosec prosecuted um, leaders uh, of the government of the state for crimes, you know, war crimes in particular. But here we now have a crime against the American people. Um, and again, I did not think it would be necessary. I thought he would be uh, tried criminally in, in, in New York and there he would, he would be no longer eligible uh, to run for office and the insurrection would, would go away. With that out of the picture, 
I, I now believe uh, because of the Ukrainian uh, invasion that there's, there's even external pressure outside for this prosecution to come to come Greg, forward. what happened in New York? Uh, the office claimed that it had substantial evidence. Um, Americans were in support of going after him. Uh, the AG office evidence could support action against Trump. Why did that end? Well, one of the rumors or one of the explanations, which um, seemed sort of ridiculous to me, but I could understand um, Bragg making that argument, was he didn't want Michael Cohen to be his primary witness. He, you know, because, you know, was he a liar? Was he telling the truth? Um, he, he would have liked another key witness, you know. But on the other hand, I can't think of any racketeer, any organized crime figure who has not been brought down by an underboss, by a fixer, by someone close to the, uh, the boss. And so... Michael was is the logical person to have done that. So on top of so so we've got the possibility of January 6th, the New York people have backed off. Are there any other potential um, areas where Trump could find himself in criminal court? Yeah, I mean, right now they've just um, talked about and raised the issue of espionage and, and taking classified documents down to Mar-a-Lago and keeping those for a year. Um, Who's that, they? Who, who, who is investigating um, that? The Department of Justice, the, the, the U.S. Department of Justice. So what about the, the cost, Greg, of not um, indicting Trump? There was an interesting piece um, in Politico about the cost of not indicting him now. Um, is that a, an issue of justice or is it an issue of really defining what a president can and can't do in the 21st century? I'm not sure you can, you can, you can separate uh, the, the, the two out or, 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 or it's a combination of both. But, you know, in terms of the costs, the costs are staring us in the face. I mean, it's all about whether or not we had a stolen election, uh, which we did not. And yet, you know, you have a significant uh, portion of the United States who believes it was stolen. Yeah, I mean, the my pillow guy is still pushing this this week. I mean, um, pretty lawsuits, much. He, he's trying to file lawsuits in 50 states on it. Right. I mean, and, and, and 60, you know, uh, you know, 60 percent of the Republicans believe that the, the election was stolen as, as well. But what's more important is this is sort of a pretext for what we know in terms of rewriting the uh, election laws throughout the country. How many bills have been passed? And the consequences are if Trump runs again, whether he wins or loses, the popular vote, the electoral college, they're setting up to steal. The Republicans are setting up to steal the 
the next election. So we do have democracy. You can't put 50 or 60 million people in jail, Greg, even if some Democrats might like that. What about the McConnell wing of the Republican Party that seems to be saying, let's just move on. We don't really like this guy, uh, but it's best to try and forget about him, move on, find another candidate, and then just let him go back to Mar-a-Lago and make a lot of noise without having any impact on the country. Because if you did send him to jail, if there was a major criminal case, it would only fan the divisions, the outrage, the anger, the lies and the violence in this country. Right. And if you don't go after him, whether you put him in jail or, or, or not, um, you're going to, you know, maintain, you know, this this falsehood, this lie, and you're going to, you know, create Biden and others as the as the enemy. And, the, you know, that will will be perpetuated as well. Uh, I mean, you're damned if you're doing, you're damned if you don't, but ultimately you're going to break the non uh, uh, McConnell part, part of the Republican party up. Um, if, if you prosecute, you know, they're going to lose their power. There's a lot of talk though, Greg, of Trump, struggling to keep control of his own MAGA movement. Is he in decline, do you think, politically? Um, I, I think we'll know the answer to that in, in, in about uh, four or five months when the 2022 uh, election midterms occur. He's got 160 people that he's endorsing. But as, as the, the races in the primaries are getting closer, he seems to be endorsing all candidates to cover his bets. But, um, you know, is he losing some power? Perhaps. But just just think about how much power this person has with the track record that, and the legacy that he's left behind. Um, you, know, it, it, you know, so... You is know, he, he still at the top of his game, do you think, as a criminal? Clearly some criminals are more are better at being criminals than others. The The traditional narrative is... You know, you saw it in The Godfather. When these people get old, they lose their criminal skills. Is he losing any of them? He seems to be just as sharp as he's ever been. He, to me, he, he's not losing. He's not losing those skills, and he's been playing out the same uh, game uh, for for forty, fifty years. It's not like there's something new here. The only addition was that he got to, you know, set up. Uh, uh, a corruption operation, you know, inside the White House and create pay to play. And, you know, so he just was able to expand his, his criminal enterprise through the presidency. And now he's even expanding his, his money um, off of the, um, the, the big lies. He's raised more money at this point in time than the Republican Party has. About right. so as I said, that's how we started the show. He's raising money and people continue to give to him. That's the story. Criminology on Trump, Crimes of the Powerful by my guest today, uh, Greg Barak. Greg, congratulations on the book, another important book in the library of books now about Donald Trump. Um, 
a couple of years ago, we had the Washington Post uh, book reviewer Carl Lazada on the show, who wrote a book called uh, What Were We Thinking? A Brief, quote unquote, Intellectual History of the Trump Era, in which he he wrote or he read 150 books about Trump. Is there one book in addition to yours, Greg, that you really like that somehow captures the surreal criminality of, of Donald Trump and of the four years he ruled America? Um, I, I don't know that there, there's, there's a, I mean, you know, um, Johnson, ha, you know, has done the most in the area of, of, of criminality. If I was to recommend books to, as a way of understanding Trump, it would be Dark Towers it, by Barbara Reese, who worked for Trump and really was the engineer behind the Trump Tower. I would recommend actually Michael Cohen's book and, and his niece, Mary Trump's book. Yeah, the book, uh, the niece's book is very good. <laughs> right. I mean, those to me were, were three very useful books uh, to unravel uh, Do Donald Trump. Uh, but, you know, American Kleptocracy, I think, is an important book that that speaks to the similarities of what Donald was doing and what other wealthy people are doing. Yeah, we, we, had, uh, we did a show on American not. Kleptocracy, and we also did a show with the former Ukrainian ambassador, Marie Yovanovitch, who explicitly compares Trump with Putin. There are lots of similarities between the two. They're both criminals. Well, Greg Barak, uh, author of Criminology on Trump, congratulations on this new book. And I hope you keep out of jail, Greg, and continue to, to write about the, the awful crimes of Donald Trump, because uh, until he dies, I don't think they're going to end. Thank you so much. Thank you, Andrew. I appreciate it.